We've all got questions about the Bible and Christianity. Some of us are Christians and want to know how best to live for God and show our love for Him. Some of us are curious about what it means to follow Jesus. And some of us are skeptical of the idea of religion in general. Whatever your background, we invite you into these conversations that strive to take an honest look at what the Bible has to say on a wide variety of subjects. Each week, we will discuss questions that have been sent in from all around the world and try to find truth and practical application in God's Word. If you have any questions, or follow-up comments, contact us anytime by emailing info at broadwaycoc.com. I'm Jed Lovejoy, and these are Conversations with Dan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another one of our conversations here with Dan. How are you doing today? What's up, everybody? Doing good? Jed's been out, and now he's back. So they don't if, even know. If he looks a little scraggly, it's because he's been away on vacation. I have trimmed up post-vacation. <laughs> it's okay. all good. We got away and kept to ourselves, and that's nice. Just relaxed for a little bit. But they good. don't. They don't realize that because we worked ahead. Oh yeah, I got you. Wasn't that nice? Yes. Yeah. See, there we go. But for this week, um, we had somebody send me a message and asked if we had ever covered the subject of Lent. And that's the Lenten season heading up to Easter. And I went looking, and sure enough, we have never discussed this before. That's so, an interesting um, custom. There are many customs in the religious world that have a germ of conceptual origin in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And um, we did a little research on this. And for the custom of Lent itself, mm-hmm. there are two documents that I have one, I guess it's probably the earliest, is an ancient document called the Constitutions of the Holy Apostles. And I'm Mm -hmm. not a patristic scholar in any way, but this document, at least parts of it, come from about the third century. And books seven and eight of it, where our quote is, come from the fourth century, which is the time of the Council of Nicaea. And... um, There is, uh, in the Constitutions of Holy Apostles, Book 7, Chapter 23, a section on fasting and preparation for Easter. Mm -hmm. And Easter's coming up this year, what, the 4th of April, we decided, from Siri. Yeah. And uh, so this custom arose very early in the history of the church, a time of fasting uh, uh, before Easter. Right. Uh, the other earliest source I was able to find uh, for it is a synod uh, that occurred at Laodicea shortly after the Council of Nicaea. Mm. And it's actually Canon L in the Synod of Laodicea. And there was an argument on whether you could break the fast during Lent season on what's called Monday Thursday. Right. And that's the Thursday, I guess, before... Mm-hmm. Passover before Easter, and uh, this says that uh, it recommends that you should not, and says that during the entire Lenten season you could only eat like dry meats, like jerky or something. Mm. And uh, th- there's a big discussion here about uh, fasting and why there needed to be fasting. And it was interesting yeah. to me that part of the reasoning of this was that they felt that. Easter Sunday, and particularly communion on Easter Sunday, mm-hmm. was very, very special and important, more more important maybe than other days. And so they felt like the only food 
that should touch your mouth during that time would be the body of Christ, the yeah. the bread and the wine. Yeah. And uh, so as as this discussion unfolds in here, um, they point to the discussion in 1 Corinthians about the Lord's Supper. Yeah. Where Paul said uh, in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty two, don't you have houses to eat and drink in or do you despise right. the assembly of God and so they said that the apostle Paul separated uh, physical food or, or just a regular meal mm -hmm. from the Lord's Supper and said that it shouldn't have any part in the Lord's Supper right and so even though Paul didn't spell out that you should fast before the Lord's Supper yeah they sort of made some jumps and implications and said that yeah. fasting should be done however like I said in the beginning, there is a germ of of truth in this in that the Bible does teach Jesus taught about fasting. Oh, absolutely. And uh, like in Matthew 4, Luke 4, he fasted 40 days mm -hmm. before his baptism. Yeah, so so I'll, I'll jump off with that. I love, first off, that Dan, I brought this subject up, and he just goes to his office and grabs some books and things. I had to do the good old-fashioned go search on the internet. I hate you for that. <laughs> but I went and looked at a couple of, like, Catholic history sources because I figured that's – most people, if they hear about Lent, they associate it with the Catholic traditions. Sure. I know that there's lots of other well, groups there out other, there that do. I would think that in the Anglican, Lutheran – Oh, yeah. All those traditions, you would have Lent. Yeah. yeah. A lot of those, and even uh, in the Methodist churches, there's still a, a strong tie to that. Um, there's others that have adopted it, but I knew that they would have, like, the longest-running history. Sure. And apparently there's some <clears throat> letters that went back and forth between popes in the mid-100s, so even before the Nicene Council and stuff, that they were there was letters going back and forth, squabbling over, and I prompted from the 40 days, whether the early writings meant 40 days of fasting or 40 hours of fasting. So it's something that stretches way back, and then you get to the Council of Nicaea and some other guys that were... Do you were, have any actual document titles for those that you're citing? That, I didn't write everything down. I didn't have enough time. Okay. Well, but that, that was the thing is it was very early documents that are then... I don't have that one, but then in the Council of Nicaea, they would bring up those same discussions. Well, I know that in, in the second century late, mm -hmm. and uh, well, the second and third century, there was there was what's called the Quartodeciman controversy, which was what should the date of Easter be? Yeah, and, and that, and that happened. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and some of this may have been connected with it. Yeah. But um, they couldn't really come to a conclusion because there was nothing in the New Testament that said... Yeah. This is the day or that we should have a special ceremony on the resurrection day, yeah. Easter. And so they've it's always interesting to look back at it from a historical standpoint of how even those early documents would say our forefathers, which was kind of their way of saying back to the apostles, but we don't have it a document from the apostles saying this yes. is what we do. So what we have here is a tradition. Right. That is a human tradition. That, that evolved developed. over time. It evolved over time. It was not part of Jesus and the apostles' tradition. Yeah. However, as we said in the beginning, there is a germ of something we ought to think about here because Jesus himself did speak quite a bit about fasting. He, he exemplified fasting, and fasting was a time to give yourself 
to mm. prayer and meditation on the word and yeah. leave the worldly things aside. He did that 40 days. Yeah. But then in, in his great sermon on the Mount, mm -hmm. um, he said, when you fast. Right. And it wasn't an if. That people would. Yeah. Um, so I guess this is a good point just to kind of make sure we're clear on where we're coming from in the churches of Christ. We don't traditionally celebrate Lent as a season. Right. And we don't really do a whole lot of fasting, at least not in any organized sense, for sure. Right. And, and I think that was, that's a good point that you bring up because fasting for Christ and the apostles was a voluntary thing which was not organized, was not uh, specified that at a certain time they should do it, mm -hmm. but it was a voluntary thing when someone decided to fast and pray. And um, I think, you know, when, when people appointed elders at times, there was prayer and fasting. Mm -hmm. uh, there, was, there was prayer and fasting over other things where they, they were very serious about these things. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with, and it's a healthy thing to to practice fasting in some form to to deny the flesh. Mm -hmm. uh, in in Christ's instructions, uh, read us uh, Matthew 6 there, verse 16 through 18 about right. fasting. It doesn't say you must fast at this time or that time. It says when you fast. Yeah, it says when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. All right, so it's a personal thing between you and God. Mm -hmm. If you decide to seriously give yourself to spiritual pursuits for whatever period of time, and mm -hmm. you just do that, but... You don't go out and broadcast it. You don't post it on Facebook. You yeah. Don't, you know, you I'm, just do I'm it. I'm going to fast for 48 hours. Pray for me. You know. I'm so sad. Gloom, despair, yeah. and agony. Yeah. No, on we me. don't no, want we that. We don't do that. But part of the fasting was always you replaced it with something. And a lot of times it was that focus on some spiritual pursuit. You know? Yes. It was, it, was, it was a spiritual pursuit of some kind. And, um, you know, even I think there's there's one passage that talks about G Jesus and the casting out of the demons, and he says this this kind only comes out with prayer and fasting. Mm. And uh, so there's sometimes when you really give yourself to focus prayer and you're agonizing in prayer, you know, it could include a period of fasting where you're really just concentrating on the spiritual and letting all things. Yeah. Now, the the custom that developed. Um, not from scripture, but yeah, this developed from this, this specific idea of before Easter. Yeah, the traditional forty days <laughs> leading up to the Easter celebration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is not a command of God, but forty days, of course, must be based on Jesus's forty days of temptation and some other forty days, maybe. But um, it's if you want to do that, that's fine, and that's good, and. Um, there's all kinds of good things you could do with um, <clears throat> giving up some things. Mm. I was going to say, I think that's kind of a main question from the person who sent in the comment, but also from most people who don't traditionally practice this. Is it unscriptural to practice Lent? Now, anytime you want to do something like that, if you want to fast, if you want to give up some things, that's totally within somebody's freedom. It doesn't 
violate any principle of scripture. Mm. It, the only time it would violate scripture is if you bound that on other people and required mm. that mm. Uh, of other people. Um, if if you go over to First Timothy chapter four, right. uh, people need to understand that in the first couple of centuries, um, well, second and third century particularly, and fourth there was a, a real mood of asceticism in the ancient world. Asceticism is severity to the body. Right. And uh, you give up sex, you give up uh, all, uh, everything to drink except water. Yeah, because you, you bodily things meat. are sinful. Yeah, like, you, you, don't, yeah. you don't lay on a bed, you lay on the ground, you know, mm -hmm. the flesh is sinful. And um, scripture really does not teach that. Uh, if you go to First Timothy four, look there and read me the first like three or four verses there. Uh, now the Spirit expressly says that in the later times some will depart from the faith, devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons. Uh, through the insincerity of liars, those with consciences are seared. Who forbids marriage and requires abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth? For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. All right. So, you see, it's not something we can bind because, mm. you know, <clears throat> some people were trying to bind it. Yeah. And even pagans were doing it. If you look at Colossians 3, see, a lot of people in modern times don't realize that asceticism, which, which resulted in monasticism. Mm-hmm. That's where you have monasteries and people that commit to celibacy and all that stuff. Right. Um, that was a real mood in the first, not in the first century, but second and third century and fourth century. And a lot of movements arose out of that. And yeah. it may very well be that some of that influence mm. caused this tradition of the 40 days of fasting to, to, to get religious people to be more serious and so forth. Yeah. But in Colossians chapter 2, look at verse 18, if you would, right. and 19. Uh, Colossians 2, 18 and 19, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and the worship of angels, going on in details about visions, puffed up without reason by their sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. All right, and drop down to verse uh, 20 and 20 through 22, which mm -hmm. really gets into this denial of the body and everything. Yeah. If with Christ you died to the elemental, elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive to the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. All right, so, you know, the whole idea of asceticism, mm -hmm. for you out there, that just means being really severe to your body, not eating foods, abstaining from sex, not, you know, yeah. not eating good food, just, you know, extreme fasting and all this. He says, this is of no value. Mm. But it wasn't, if you read Colossians, it wasn't just the Christians that were doing this. Right. It was the pagans that were doing this as well. Okay? Yeah. So fasting is good if you choose to do it. 
Mm -hmm. And if you can be quiet about it and do it as, a, as an emphasis of the spiritual, it's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with it. But you're not more religious by being severe to the body uh, in a continual way than you are if you're not. Gandhi did it. Mm -hmm. And he's got nothing to do with Christianity. Yeah. You know. And so and that's you could find <coughs> lots of people throughout time and history that have done some form of fasting to sure. accomplish a purpose in sure. some way. So to to go back, let's talk about what we could do good if we want if we choose to fast at this time of year or any other kind of mm -hmm. time of year. If you gave up one meal a day, mm -hmm. what could you do with the money that you saved with that one meal if you put the money in a jar and then you used it to feed the poor or you used it to help yeah. a single mother or you used it to you know bless somebody mm -hmm. that needed something that would be a wonderful thing because that's a good work that sure. you could do for god yeah um, i could spend the time during that meal reading my bible or <clears throat> praying or other things yeah. you know there was there was a movement there's another thing we should mention before we finish that's maybe kind of a an outgrowth of the ascetic movement early. Okay. But there was a guy by the name of Tatian, T-A-T-I-A-N. And in the second century, he did a harmony of the Gospels that still hmm. we have manuscripts for. It's called the Dia Tesseron, which means through the four, through the four Gospels. Okay. And though I think harmonizing the Gospels is a bad idea because they were written for they their own different purposes. Purpose, yeah. Uh, Tatian did this, but Tatian was the leader of a sect of people called the Encratites. And the Encrateia is the Greek word which means self-control. Okay. And self-control is saying no to yourself about things. Mm -hmm. Fasting is a form of Encrateia. It's, yeah. it's a form of self-control. Right. Um, there are different ways you could uh, use self-control. You use self-control when you don't, when you choose not to buy certain things. <clears throat> if you're if you're going to raise your giving to the Lord, you deny yourself some things to raise your giving. You use self-control. Uh, one of our elders here that I dearly love and miss, Brother Bill Simpson, he he used to talk about why don't we do a television fast mm. and just turn off the television and use some of that time that we would have watched television to study God's word or do a good work or something like that. So that's another way we could use self-control. Um, you know, even in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, mm -hmm. verse 5, there's a, there's a place even for sexual self-control. Mm. This is something that, okay. yeah. Get there, 1 Corinthians 1, 7. 1, 4, 7, 5 will test um, Jed's reading today. Yeah, do not deprive one another, except perhaps by arrangement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Interesting, huh? Uh-huh. So you could have a brief time of, of abstinence from sex in a marriage to really give yourself to spiritual pursuits, and, but then he says, don't make that very long. You need to come together <laughs> yeah. again for... Uh, because of lack of self-control. But again, the word self-control, mm -hmm. this word we're talking about it's is playing there into too. this, <clears throat> pull something out to build or to and practice it. And, and see, there were some people, like First Timothy 4 said, that said you should be celibate mm. if you're really going to be holy. Yeah. And <clears throat> Paul says, to avoid fornication, let each one have his own wife, let each woman have her own husband. Mm. 
but it's not that there's never a time when that can't be something yeah. that you use some self-control. And, of course, in our daily lives, we use self-control, drawing right boundaries ways. Yeah. Uh, in those ways. So, you know, give, <coughs> give, oh, give up coffee. No, please, please, Jed, don't make me give up my hey. coffee. That would be a sacrifice on my part. That would like, be a, no, yeah, you could no. give up coffee, but if I gave up coffee... <clears throat> I could save some money and and do some things, but <clears throat> excuse me. If we really if we really take seriously biblical teaching, we ought to practice self control, mm-hmm. and we ought to do it voluntarily, and we ought to uh, do it to pursue spiritual things. And and if nothing else, this conversation gives us a little bit of a, a kick and a boost to say, look, how are you pr- practicing self-control? Yeah. And how should we be practicing self-control if we're going to be more like Jesus told so, us to be? So I guess to kind of walk through a couple of questions or maybe to clarify a couple of things, there's nothing unbiblical about the season of Lent. No. Or the, definitely not the concept of fasting, but prayer, there is, self-control. But it is unbiblical to require people to. Yeah, that part and so that's where I was going to say, so let's say you're in a congregation of any kind, you know, whatever, um, but even if you're in a church of Christ that traditionally doesn't practice it, and the preacher gets up and says, hey, we're going to encourage you to practice. There's nothing you know, wrong with that. But then if he said, we're going to require all of our members to do to give up something this, this month or whatever. Then you're finding where God is not bound. Okay. Yeah. So I would say or I guess what we're getting from all this is it's a good practice, whether you do it leading up to Easter or at any other time during the year. Yeah. But it shouldn't be just do it for, you know, proclamation to other people. There should be a purpose behind it. Right. And Jesus said, do it in secret. Do it yourself. Yeah. Do it between you and God. Don't, yeah. don't do it like, you know. I, mean, yeah, I like the whole wash your face, clean up, make it look like everything's normal. Now, are you serious about that part? He's going to make a joke about me trimming my beard now. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, I think <laughs> I think this is the thing is we've gotten so used to, again, coming back to our tradition in the churches of Christ. It's not something we did, and so a lot of times there's a look at something like the season of Lent, and you go, well, that's what other people do. There must be something wrong with it. There's not a thing in the world wrong with it. It's a tradition. As long as we don't bind it, it's, it's actually an encouragement to um, – to do something that's positive and exercising some self-control. And we can learn from that. We yeah. can we can learn something from that. But we learn from that in that it does go back to biblical teaching about fasting mm. and prayer and a, a personal relationship with God that's not about showing other people, mm. but it's about me exercising self-control on purpose between me and God for a good reason. There we go. So whatever you may be doing uh, in this season heading towards Easter again, you know, maybe this is a good time to consider, have you given up something lately? Are you focusing on God? I, again, I think this goes all the way back to the beginning when we talk about giving God our first fruits and all sure. this other concept. It's a great time to do it, and so is mid-July. Yes. And so is October. There we go. Just sometimes, <laughs> I will say, sometimes it's easier to do it when you kind of have your friends doing it with you and there's a general focus. So 
maybe in this time where you may be seeing more reminders about it, it's a good time to do it. Take advantage of those things. Sure. Yeah. Just keep in mind Jesus' instructions in Matthew 6. There you go. It's not a time to increase your Instagram followers. I fasted followers. for six days and only drank water and only ate vegetables, Jed. How many days did you fast and what did you eat during that time? I don't know. Were you getting ready for 